Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Popcraft, where we'll autopsy the screenplays behind your favorite films and TV shows. I'm your host, Carl Albert, and I'm back with another episode of Pop Thoughts, wherein I state a hot take or a thesis about sort of the meta conversation around critical analysis of films and TV shows, or even about the craft of screenwriting. Last time I talked about how I believe there is no such thing as an objectively bad or objectively good movie or TV show, and this time I'm back to piss off some more people talking about adaptations, very specifically adaptations of books and comic books to film and television, and what I think makes a good adaptation or rather, you know, as going off the last episode of Pop Thoughts, what in my subjective opinion is the best way to approach an adaptation? And what is the best way as an audience member to approach adaptations, even of the things you love? Now, I wanted to talk about this topic today because I'm in a lot of circles online. Uh, a lot of, I mean, I'm a big book fan. I am an aspiring author myself. And if you look at, you know, the sort of things that I've discussed on Popcraft so far... I've already talked about two epic fantasy television shows, The Wheel of Time and The Witcher, and the conversations around their latest seasons have been interesting. And I believe, you know, as imperfect as the shows are, they've received maybe more scrutiny than some other shows that have had perhaps polar opposite reactions like Arcane that are not strictly adaptations, at least not of books or comics, to film or television, as it were. And I don't think it's that surprising as to why that is. You know, books themselves build up a fan base. A fan base is looking for very specific things. But I still want to talk about sort of the different adaptational approaches people take and how that impacts the ultimate storytelling and how that impacts the audience's reaction and my own take on how we all should maybe look at these adaptations going forward. So first things first, what is an adaptation? Let's define it. Let's just go back to basics, right? An adaptation is defined in biology as a change or the process of change by which an organism or species becomes better suited to its environment. So with a little bit of twisting, a little bit of alchemy there, we can kind of take from that the idea of the adaptational process of taking a book, a comic, a what have you, and adapting it to film and television. You are reworking it, reworking the story to better suit a new medium. So fundamentally, an adaptation is not the same work, right? Like if you watch the Harry Potter movies, those, even the ones like the first couple that are really resemble the stories in the first two books, they're not the same though. They just fundamentally cannot be the same. It's a different medium. The story is fundamentally different. And I think that is one of the first points I want to make and kind of please I have for people that view these as separate works of art. The adaptation is completely disconnected from the book it is based on. Yes, there is, you know, an inspiration there. There is a level of trying to adapt it and make it work for television. So it's, it's, there is no, it's disingenuous to say that there's no connection, but I think it's best to view the two different works, the original source work and the new adaptation as fundamentally different pieces of art that maybe will have some 
connections. And sometimes those connections are very clear and obvious and sometimes less so. Now, with that said, what works best typically when you're adapting source material, novels specifically, to the big screen? Well, let's talk about Harry Potter again. The first two movies, directed by Chris Columbus, are easily the uh, most directly lifted from the books, The Philosopher's Stone and The Chamber of Secrets. And I would say that people, by and large, tend to view those movies with a bit more lukewarm reception. You know, they're, they're definitely a big nostalgia watch, but they're not like what people would consider like high art or if, if Harry Potter ever approaches there. It's like those movies are not really in that conversation. And I, and I say this loving those movies. I actually I like every Harry Potter movie. But it's really in the third movie where you get Alfonso Cuaron comes in and remixes the story and kind of takes the same basic broad beats. But like there, there are a bunch of scenes in that movie that do not exist in the book. And there are a bunch of important scenes in the books that do not exist in the movie. It's wholly restructured and reworked in a way that tells the same story, but if you look at it kind of on an individual scene-by-scene -scene level, it's wildly different. And yet, that's a movie that a lot of people, especially in film circles, tend to regard as one of the stronger, if not the strongest, Harry Potter movies. So clearly you can do something very different. You know, I think Lord of the Rings uh, falls perhaps even closer, kind of in between uh, Alfonso Cuaron's Prisoner of Azkaban and the first two uh, Harry Potter movies by Christopher Columbus, where I think there are a lot of scenes in the Lord of the Rings trilogy taken straight from the books, but there's a lot added on as well. And it still works, though, because you kind of get the feeling that it's done with love, and they're trying to tell the same broad strokes of the same narrative. The characters, by and large, have the same roles. Their arcs may be changed. In the case of Lord of the Rings, actually, several character arcs are wholly created, completely wholesale, but that kind of gets forgotten nowadays, and the movies are just considered very loyal, um, very wonderful adaptations, which they are. I, I love the Lord of the Rings movies. They're just one of my favorite trilogies, if not my favorite trilogy of movies of all time. But now we get to something like The Wheel of Time show, which particularly in its final episode of season one, got just ravaged by book fans who said, you know, they completely missed the point of it. They've thrown away character arcs. They've thrown away characters. You know, the, the writers don't care about Wheel of Time. They're just writing fan fiction. It doesn't matter. I mean, I would argue all adaptations are fundamentally fanfic. Like, if you really look at it, like, they're all fanfics. It's, it's works being made by fans that's, like, retelling the stories in a different way. It's, again, the adaptation is not the original story. It can never be the original story. It's just literally not possible. So getting back to Wheel of Time... I think there are a lot of criticisms to be uh, had for that final episode for the season as a whole. But I think that there was an expectation that it was going to be almost a direct one-to-one -one retelling of the first book in The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World. And that is not what happened. And without getting too deep into spoilers, that pissed a lot of people off. And you can understand why. You know, these people want to watch something that makes them feel the exact same way that the books made them feel. And what that looks like is different for different people. Like for some people, the show did make them feel that way, even though it was quite different from the book. You know, it embraced a more ensemble feel. It spread out the plot lines uh, there and in the last episode. He gave multiple climaxes to multiple different characters rather than just one character. I mean, the whole season as a whole kind of functioned that way. And that was, I would argue, the source of a lot of the biggest changes 
beyond uh, COVID mishaps that really created issues in the production of the series. At the same time, you have The Witcher Season 2. Another case where if you listen to our latest Witcher episode, we talk about some of the changes, some that worked, some that didn't work. I would argue any of the ones that didn't work were sort of just like, uh, they slightly messed up how they were trying to execute the thing. And it's not the idea itself that is fundamentally broken. But the problem is you get into this conversation where fans want the books to be adapted almost one-to-one or like they may even say that's not the case but like that's what they want they want it to be directly resemble the book that they read they don't want any notable changes no character arcs changed and they'll forget that lord of the rings had those same things you know you they'll talk about dune for instance and not talk about the massive changes and liberties that have been taken with dune and i love dune dune was my movie of the year and i do think it's a case of a movie that is perhaps more faithful than a lot of adaptations, you know, especially when you compare it to something like The Shining, which has sort of a broad story structure, but fundamentally rips out the themes and the characters and tosses them in the trash and tells a completely different story that's almost on the flip side of the coin. It's fire and ice, as Stephen King likes to describe it. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's adaptation is ice. Stephen King's original novel is fire. It just... They're fundamentally different things, even though that on paper, there are lots of similarities. The Overlook Hotel, the names of the characters, which character goes mad and on an axe rampage, which uh, little kid has psychic superpowers, that sort of thing. But the adaptational process is so fluid and so complex that like you see the Shining movie and most people will agree it's as good as the book, if not better. I'm Now, I'm actually partial to the book. I think the book is better. It just appeals to my very subjective taste in, in a deeper, closer, more personable level than the movie. And I love the movie. Or, you know, you can look at um, sort of in a similar lane of horror, The Haunting of Hill House, which is an adaptation of a book completely different than the book. Completely different. Now, the book had been adapted into a movie way back in, I think, the 60s, which is a good movie. It holds up fairly well. Uh, it's called The Haunting. It was critically acclaimed. It's still widely watched to this day uh, in like horror, ghost, uh, haunted house circles. But the show chose to do something fundamentally different that tapped into many of the same themes. But the characters were different. The story was different. Hill House was there, but that was it. And even the way Hill House functioned was different. But was it a good adaptation? Well, again, I mean, how are you defining a good adaptation? Is it something that sticks really closely to the source material? Or is it something that uses the source material's inspiration and then goes from there to tell its own story? Or is there a middle ground there? Can you take the source material and perhaps, you know, even like The Shining, where maybe you're veering left where they veered right, but there's still so many of the same beats that it feels in a way like a true adaptation of the source material to some people. And I guess in this sort of muddied dialogue I'm having, what I'm trying to get at is adaptations are a spectrum and not every piece of source material was created equal. Some are better suited to film or television than others. The first book in the Game of Thrones was George R. R. Martin was a television writer he structured his book like a television show with cliffhangers, you know, episode breaks, act breaks. It just worked perfectly and was basically a, a, a layup for the showrunners to make a good TV show out of. And they did. They made, you know, for several seasons, one of the best TV shows of all time. But not every work is like that. 
you know, I actually think The Shining is a good example of one that is definitely adaptable, but there are some real struggles in terms of are these scares, you know, these book fans will know, like certain hedge scares, like is that even doable? Do we just trash that? What are the big scares, you know? How do we keep the emotional core and show Jack's descent into madness? Is that ultimately the core of the story or should the f- story focus on Danny and his powers? You know, what what is Wendy's role in all this? And it really, again, becomes this more nebulous process where you're having to compete with the complexity of an original source material and then the complexity of the audience's reading of that source material. No two people get the same thing out of the source material. So if you're making a Shining movie for Stephen King, that's going to look more like the miniseries that he ended up helping write than it is the final Stanley Kubrick movie that most people love, right? You're, you're fundamentally having different audiences. I don't want to come at this and just make it, you know, really broad, nebulous, like there is no answer, there is no good adaptation. I mean, that is ultimately the answer, like I said, all art is subjective. All films and TV is subjective. I don't give a shit what anyone else says, and I'm happy to debate this further. But that is very much my view. I think that is actually objectively backed up. And so when you're talking about how best to adapt a work or how best to approach an adaptational, it is subjective. But I do believe that there is a very good way to approach it, which is first, as an audience member, separate the two in your brain. Separate the original book the original comic, the original whatever, the source material, and separate the movie or TV show that's coming adapted from it. It could look completely different. It could look very similar. But just fundamentally, you have to separate the two. Otherwise, you're going to go in with unfair expectations. Pick at littlest details, you know. You won't be patient, you know. If they do something different, you won't wait to see how it pays off. Maybe it won't pay off at all, and you'll be like, well, that sucked. But maybe it will, you know, two seasons down the line, the difference will pay off. And it was intentional and planted there for a reason. And so I really encourage people when watching adaptations to and expecting adaptations to separate the two, the source material and the adaptation in their brains, and to be patient. Now, when you're creating an adaptation as a writer, what should your mindset be? First of all, you need to love the work that you are adapting. I think it it drives me insane anytime someone gets hired to adapt something that they don't like. And I'm sure it can work out, but I just think in the broadest sense, way more often than not, you're going to get a better end product, a better story, a better adaptation if the person who is writing it actually gives a shit about the source material. So care about the source material, but also have a point of view, have a plan. Yeah. Uh, certain people, if you're listening to this just as a fan, this probably will piss you off because a lot of people have like, well, if you're going to adapt this and you just want to tell your own story, then fuck off and go tell your own story. I'm sorry. No, like that they want to adapt it. They just maybe have a point of view about how it should be adapted. That's just how it is. People are welcome to not like that. But you as the artist need to have a point of view. What works from this and what does not? What can be translated easily to film and what is a challenge? You know, there are so many books and stories that have been considered unadaptable. Dune was one for a long time. And look what we saw. We saw the unadaptable adapted on the big screen, and it was widely critically acclaimed. Maybe had its greatest success with a niche audience, but it was widely critically acclaimed. And you know what helped make that work was not only the love 
Denis had for the source material, but the very specific point of view he had for the source material, that he went in knowing, I want to make this alien. I want to lean into how alien these cultures are. I want to lean into the scale of everything, which goes into the visuals and how he portrayed that you often weren't seeing all around any of the spaceships, that the spaceships were so big that the screen could not fit him and the edges were off screen. You know, it comes down to sort of the mythic Shakespearean approach of how he tried to humanize the characters of Leto and Jessica and Paul. You have to have a POV. You have to know what you're doing. I mean, this is true with, I think, writing in general, but most certainly true with adaptations is you have this great work. So any change you make, it needs to be very, very intentional and thought through. And that's certainly where a lot of adaptations go wrong is they don't think through every change or probably through for practical reasons they don't have the time to and that's tragic because you need to think through every change how does this affect it down the line how does changing this character's arc how does that change the theme how does that change the atmosphere of the story if you just change something as simple as the atmosphere if you make a, a the shining even more gothic what does that do to the story what does that do to how the characters are perceived in the story are they more melodramatic? Is the fall that much more dramatic for uh, Jack? I hope you've seen the movies and the TV shows, at least some of them that I'm talking about. Otherwise, this is just going to sound like a bunch of nonsense. And even then, it may sound like nonsense. Uh, I am hopped up on some anxiety medications because I've been having mental health issues. So pardon if this is a little all over the place, but we're giving you a quick muddied pop thoughts this week. Back to action. The other thing, and this ties into POV, the POV of the writer adapting the work, I believe the story should speak to you personally, that there should be something personal you take from it, and that informs your point of view. You know, if it's that, oh, I am a gay man and I saw myself as a vampire, and so I'm adapting Dracula and writing Dracula as if he was a gay man with AIDS, I don't, you know, I'm just spitballing, just making up a whole scenario here, but that is a point of view, right? Every adaptation needs a point of view. You know, you look at the MCU, the biggest fucking franchise in the world, and like them or hate them, but they're very successful, and their adaptations do not resemble the comics more often than not. I mean, Kevin Feige talks, the, the head of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, talks a lot about comic accuracy, but if you look at the storylines they adapt, they are wildly different in the comics than they are in the movies. It, it's, it's not about one-to-one -one copying and pasting scenes. It's about taking that as inspiration and then finding your POV and telling a compelling story that, in my opinion, parallels, at the very least thematically, perhaps in character arcs, and certainly in feeling the original work, the source material, that's asking the same difficult questions, that's challenging the characters in the same way, and that leaves the audience feeling the same level of satisfaction as if they had just read the book, read the comic book, the original masterwork. Every adaptation is going to have a differing range in terms of how much needs to be changed, how little needs to be changed. Is the source material cinematic? Is it easily translatable? Or is it not? Is it just a matter of changing the tone or the feel? You know, is it like The Shining where you're, it's fire and ice. It's the same story told in a completely different way with a completely different feeling and message. It's up to you. You have to have that POV. And if you have that strong POV, that is the best shot you have at succeeding because you will be making a strong artistic work. I mean, it's like the people who tell you, oh, 
fuck off, don't ruin my childhood, make something original. Well, they are. They're making something original through this adaptation. It is an original work. It is an adaptation, which that's what one of the things I'm trying to encourage you guys to think about is the adaptations themselves are not the original works. They are a new work. They are something separate. They fundamentally cannot be the same. Now, if you want to see a very one-to-one adaptation of your work, uh, the original work, maybe maybe that could work out. Maybe there's a world where you get a good one. But I think you need to be open to the possibility that that's not going to happen and be open to a new story that resembles in some ways the one you fell in love with. And maybe it'll resemble things that weren't your favorite parts. And that sucks and that hurts. And you, you can totally lash out and express frustration about it. But don't feel like then that it ruined your childhood you know, it raped your childhood. It, it fucking took a giant shit on the source material. Like, don't be a fucking 12-year-old about it, right? Be an adult. Be a consumer and vote with your dollars if you don't like it. You can leave a bad review if you want, but don't act childish. Just accept it for what it is, which is, regardless of what you may think, every adaptation is its own work of art. It is fundamentally, it has to be separate from the original, from the source material. And so if you take anything away from this, as an audience member, I'd ask you to please separate adaptation and source material. They can be connected. They have to be. But fundamentally, they are not the same thing, and they never will be. They're just, they're not. In the same way that, like, one species, when it evolves and adapts to a new environment, is then a different species. Now, I may be fucking up science talk here, but... I'm sure I'm going to hear from my sister, the fossil archaeologist, paleontologist, uh, get on my ass, study evolutionary biology at Harvard. She's going to tell me why my metaphor doesn't work. But point is, consider the adaptation and the source material. They're two different things. Consider that. Embrace it. You will find as an audience member that you get a lot more enjoyment out of the end product. Unless it's just absolute dog shit, in which case... Pretend it doesn't exist and walk away. Now for writers, the craft, you need to have a POV. You need to like the work that you're adapting. Don't just adapt something. Don't pitch on something if you don't care about it. Pitch on things. Pitch on stories and write stories that you care about, that are personal to you, that you have a distinct POV on. Make every decision intentional. Every change should be intentional. You need to know what the end product is is going to be. I guarantee Stanley Kubrick knew that he was turning The Shining from a work of fire into a work of ice. He knew what he was saying, the differences between the original source material and the end product. That has to be you. Be intentional, but let it come from your heart. And that's all I've got this week. Again, thank you for listening. Please consider donating to Patreon. I bleed cash with this podcast. It's really a labor of love. And I do love doing it. I am going to keep doing it. But I would just super appreciate any tips you can give. Uh, Email me at popcraftpodcast at gmail.com. Consider joining our Discord. All of this is going to be linked below with all the socials. Until next time, I've been your host, Carl Albert. And this was Popcraft.